0: Boys and girls, welcome to Two Footed Podcast. It is Thursday, the nineteenth of August. We're brought to you by EPLIndex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network will allow you to go online, change your location, access things like American Netflix, access anything you're geo-blocked from. It'll also keep your data safe. So check out LibertyShield.com and use the code EPLVPN. You get twenty percent off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. The physical shop is actually open now seven days a week. And finally, do remember to check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops over on Etsy. You can search the websites or the easiest way to do it, just look up Etsy, get the Etsy app on your phone. EPL Index, Anfield Index, lots of uh, merch and memorabilia there. Well worth your while checking those out, shipping worldwide. Right, folks, uh, it is Thursday, so we do have some questions. But first, we'll run through the quick bit of news. Harvey Barnes has signed a new deal to commit him to Leicester until 2025. I think that's a one-year add-on onto his existing deal. He had been subject of interest from a number of clubs. And Leicester have done well to tie down a very, very promising player. I I think Barnes is excellent. I would gladly have him in my team. I think he's got a big future ahead of him and I think it's not long before he makes his way into the England squad if he can stay fit. He offers something different to the more traditional type of wide attackers that Southgate has used. More pace, more direct. I think he's a top player. I really do. Leicester have done well there. Will be interesting to see though how Leicester balance their budget this season though. Because it looks like the Madison deal to Arsenal's not going to happen because they're in for Odegaard and it looks like that one's close. Yuri Thielemans, the market for him seemed to dry up. Uh, Real Madrid were the club interested, were the club mentioned, but they're keeping their powder dry. There's no market for Ndidi at the moment because I don't think anybody could afford him. Barnes would have been the the next most valuable player after those three. Oh, sorry, after those t- yeah, those three, uh, and they've decided to keep him long term. So, you know, they spent 960 million on sixty million this summer on um, Sumare, Dhaka, and Vestagard. Rogers wants at least one more in to play off the right or left footer. So that could push it to eighty million, maybe even beyond that. They already operate well above break even with their wage bill taking up one hundred and twenty percent of their revenue. Um, that's not an ideal situation to be in. So it will be interesting to monitor Leicester over the next little while and see how they find a way to fix their budget issues. Um, Some sad news today. Dennis Law, the Manchester United and Scotland legend, also played for Manchester City, of course, and scored a goal to uh, relegate Man United. He has been diagnosed with uh, Alzheimer's and dementia. Uh, Law is 81. His former teammate Bobby Charlton was diagnosed with the same condition last year. That is two thirds of United's Holy Trinity. Obviously, the third one, George Best, who passed away some years ago now. Um, Law says, I recognize my brain is deteriorating and my, how my memory evades me when I don't want it to. And this causes me distress in situations that are beyond my control. It is very, very hard. And if you've ever seen anybody. Suffer from these illnesses, you will know what a what a horrible time it is. Um, Dennis Law was an incredible footballer, and he scored goals for fun at every level. You know, with with Scotland, with United, with Huddersfield, with Man City, with Torino. Uh, he won a European Cup, two English titles, and the FA Cup in his eleven years at Old Trafford, and is one of their best ever players. And it is horrible to see people uh, suffering in this way. So, you know, thoughts with Dennis Law and with his family. Aaron Ramsdale was left out of the Sheffield United squad last night as they were walloped by West Brom amid rumours that he is close to joining Manchester United. Now, David Ornstein reported yesterday that the fee would be in the region of 24 million, potentially rising to 30 million with add ons. Now, look. Aaron Ramsdale was really poor with Bournemouth, but you put it down to Bournemouth not being a good defensive team at any point under Eddie Howe. He went to Sheffield United last year for $17 I said at the time they've overpaid. He was the worst keeper in the league. Without a doubt, he was the worst keeper in the league over the course of last season. And now Sheffield United are making a substantial profit, possibly almost doubling their money if these add-ons come through. So they've done brilliantly out of this. For Arsenal, though, it's one step forward signing Odegaard or potentially signing Odegaard, and then two leaps backwards doing things like this Ramsdale deal. They already spent £50 million on Ben White, who just isn't a top-six calibre centre-back. He could be a fine-holding midfielder, I think he could do really well at right back. But at this point, he is not the calibre of centre-back you want if you're a top six side. If you have ambitions of Champions League, of winning major honours, you're not going to do that with Ben White. In two years, maybe, he can develop into that player. But you've paid £50 You need him to be great immediately. When you give so much of your budget for one player... You need them to be day one, top drawer. He needs to come in and be the best defender in that Arsenal defence. And he's not going to be. He may well be third, but that's purely down to how bad the right-back situation is. But Kieran Tierney's a vastly superior defender, as is Gabriel. And I really think Arteta's been set up for a fall here. This is a bad way to spend your money. If Arsenal land Ramsdale... And Odegaard. They are going to be about 126-127 million in the hole for this summer. The outgoing will be Joe Willock. That brings it down to closer to 100 million. But 100 million is a massive outlay for a club that don't have European football. It's a massive outlay for a club that don't have Champions League football. They don't even have Europa League football. Arsenal are a study in how not to spend money. And they have been now for a few years. They thought they were smarter than everybody else when Sagnelli was there and he was doing these deals. They were overpaying for players, were paying a small amount up front. Liverpool have done similar, but Liverpool did it with Diogo Jota, for example, and paid 42 million for him. Arsenal paid 72 million for Nicolas Pepe, who going into that summer, the talk was 40 to 45 million probably gets that deal done. Lille will hold out for fifty-five, but will probably give in. Arsenal paid seventy-two million in order to pay little or nothing up front, but backloaded the deal to the point where that deal is going to cripple them for a few years. They're doing the same again this summer. Allegedly, the Ben White deal is quite similarly structured where they've paid four or five million up front and the rest is backloaded over the next five years. They're going to be paying massive amounts of money for players. Who, in truth, really aren't good enough for what they want to be. Now, I think Nicolas Pepe is a good player. I think he's done better at Arsenal than he's given credit for. But I also realise that at 72 million, there is an expectation on what he should be able to accomplish. And he hasn't reached that level. If Pepe had come in for 35-40, I think people would look at it and say, slightly underwhelming, but not bad. But because he cost 72, disaster. And Ben White could well be similar. Look how poor he was against Brantford. He's always been poor in the air. He's poor in the air for Brighton, poor in the air for Leeds. He's not a particularly good 1v1 defender. He's not a very aggressive defender. And he's not the best at covering across behind his centre-back mate, or his right-back. He's very, very good in the ball. He's a very talented footballer. I just no, don't know that he's a very good defender or that he'll ever be a very good defender. He certainly isn't a very good defender now. And Ramsdale is the same thing. He might become a good goalkeeper. But when you pay that kind of money, you need a guy that walks in day one in his top class. doesn't have to be world class. doesn't have to be Alison Becker. But he certainly needs to be one of the 10 best keepers in the league. He's not even going to be one of the best. He's not even going to be the best keeper at Arsenal. It's not like Leno is is top class either. Leno's not top ten in the league, and Ramsdale's worse than him, significantly worse than him. All while Emi Mart- uh, Martinez, who they sold last summer for less than they're paying for Ramsdale, has established himself last season as one of the best keepers in the league. Last year he was the best keeper in the league across the season. I would say overall. Alisson's better. Mendy's probably a bit better. After that, you'd struggle. And Mendy might not even be. And I'm not a huge Mendy fan. There's not a, a, a plethora of great keepers in the league anyway. And this makes the Arsenal decision so much worse. I mean, you look at Premier League goalkeepers. Ederson's good, not great. Great with his feet. Good at the rest, overrated at the rest. Uh, Pickford's good with his feet, mediocre at the rest. Larice has declined. Leno's erratic at best. De Gea has massively declined. Where from where he was, he was one of the best keepers in the world, to where he is now fighting for a spot in the Manchester United team. Like that's that's quite the decline for De Gea. Um I I like Ariola I would say Ariola's maybe even top 6 top 7 wouldn't be a huge fan of of Raya at Brentford wouldn't be a big fan of either of the keepers at uh, Watford I, I did like Ben Foster but at his age now Sanchez isn't great Kasper Schmeichel is top 5 um but he is on the wane there was notable signs of slippage last season from him Lloris on the wane Nick Pope is a very, very good goalkeeper. I think he's vastly underrated because of who he plays for. Don't like Jose Sa at all uh, at Wolves. I do like the Newcastle goalkeepers, Dubravka, Darlow and Woodman. I think they've got a a very strong goalkeeping situation. I like both Forster and McCarthy as backups in the Premier League, not as starters. Uh, Gwaith is a good shot stopper. Question marks over the rest of this game. Tim Krul he's a good keeper, he's not fantastic he's he's decent, and I really like what Melier will be what he is now there's you know some flaws, but he's very young. It's not a great batch of Premier League keepers, and I would still argue that other than maybe Jose Sa, I would take every one of the starters over Aaron Ramsdale maybe maybe Raya as well. At Brentford. But he's probably a little bit better than Ramsdale right now. But who who would you take Ramsdale over? I wouldn't take him over any of them. And Arsenal are paying a fortune for him. Such a strange move. Um, Non-Premier League. Manuel Locatelli has signed for Juventus. A two-year loan with an obligation to buy. It amuses me how much Italian clubs just... Bow to the want of Juventus. like Juventus are broke at the moment, and yet they're still able to bully a team into doing this. They've probably backhanded the agent or something. But um, yeah, I mean, Sassuolo wanted a big fee from They got less of a fee than they wanted, and they don't get it for two years. They'll get small loan fees in the meantime. Uh, Laurie Whitehall reporting in The Athletic that Manchester United are impressed by fit and firing Pogba, but have had no response over his contract offer. Um, It it does appear like he wants to leave. It really does appear like he wants to leave. Um, Apparently, Paul Pogba returned in the best pre-season shape of his time under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, thanks in part to conditioning sessions with coaches from the NBA's Miami Heat. Well, you know, it's good to see him putting in the hard work. It really is good to see him putting in the hard work. And if there is one NBA franchise that will run you into the ground, it is the Miami Heat. Um, Heat culture is real. Those guys grind nonstop through the year, even in the off season. So credit to him, credit to him. I, you know, it, it does look like he's put in the work. He certainly was brilliant against Leeds. We'll see if he can carry that on. Uh, There's a very good article from Tim Spears on Raul Jimenez, an interview with Jimenez, talking about his recovery from his fractured skull and how he was told, while in the hospital, it's a miracle you're still alive. Um, For him now to be back on the pitch playing is, is incredible. So do check that out on The Athletic if you are a subscriber to The Athletic. And then the last piece, and this is a very, very tough read, a very tough read. Daniel Taylor, who I think is the best journalist in the UK, uh, sport or non-sport, to be totally honest, I think he's absolutely phenomenal, has a piece detailing the culture of racist bullying at Chelsea in the 1990s. Uh, the Athletic have obtained documents from the High Court that alleged that young black players were punched, kicked and subjected to other assaults by their own coaches. It is a very, very difficult read. Taylor, as everyone will remember, was the guy that brought forward the story about the, the abuse of young boys at clubs by coaches who were trusted to look after them and instead exploited them in horrible, horrible ways. um, He has, again, gone above and beyond with this story. And it brings incredible shame on Chelsea Football Club and everybody connected to it then and now because Chelsea have never acknowledged this. So I would, if you are an Athletic subscriber, I would highly recommend reading it. But you will need to be in the right frame. If you're having a bad day, do not read this story. It will make your day many times worse. Um, it is, it is very, very difficult to read, but it is really eye opening. And I will say it's likely that Chelsea weren't the only club. It is highly likely that Chelsea are not the only club that this happened. And I would imagine that the next thing we hear from Taylor will be a follow up regarding maybe other clubs that have the same culture. Um, that is, that is one of the most, heart-wrenching articles you'll read on football anytime soon. Right, let's cheer things up. It is questions day, so we have a bunch of questions today. Uh, some have come through via Mr. Drinkle uh, from listeners on Twitter, and some have come through the Anfield Index Discord. So, uh, Stephen Smith, always good for a question. Sir Alex Ferguson is about to depart in a few months' time, and you've been appointed the Sporting directs- Director to replace him and help regenerate the Man United squad. Would you differ from the duo of Moyes and Fellaini? And if so, one manager and three viable squad additions can be sought in your new, in your old, plus any outgoings. So I saw this question this morning, cause Guy texted over to me and I had a look at United squad. Um, that season and Alex Ferguson left behind a train wreck. So David De Gea was, at the time, becoming an elite-level goalkeeper. So that's that's a positive. Raphael, decent backup, backup fullback. Nothing more than that. Should never really have been a starter. Patrice Evra was tailing towards the end of his peak. Still a good left-back. So that's a positive. Phil Jones... A squad player at best at that point. He was still very young. He was 21, 22. Johnny Evans was young as well at the time. Um, I think he would have made... Was he young? He might have been 24. Yeah, he was 24-ish. So Evans would have been a good squad player for United to have. Rio Ferdinand was well past his best. Anderson was permanently broken. Wayne Rooney was past his best, but he had a good season under Moyes. Giggs was basically finished. Chris Smalling again, a squad player. You don't want him starting for you. Javier Hernandez, again, a good squad player, not a starter for a club like United. Uh, Anders Lindegaard, decent backup keeper, nothing more. Vidic passed his best. Carrick passed his best. Nani, constantly injured. Ashley Young, squad player. Danny Welbeck, squad player. Robin Van Persie at the tail end of his prime. Still a good player. You'd be happy to have him. Uh, Angelo Henriquez was a young Chilean striker at the time whose career never really took off. Did really well, I think, at Dinamo Zagreb. Yes, on a loan spell. Uh, He currently plays in Brazil. His career never really went where it was meant to go. He he was very highly touted when United signed him. Anyway, Fabio, average, very, very average. Uh, fine depth as a as a as a fullback. Um Tom Cleverly, squad player. Darren Fletcher, squad player. Antonio Valencia, squad player. Shinji Kagawa United never really figured out how to use. He could have been very, very good. Makeda, squad player. Butner, squad player. Young Wolf Zaha, squad player. Guillermo Varela, squad player. Nick Powell, squad player. Pepe, not even a squad player. Tom Lawrence, didn't make the grade. Jesse Lingard, unproven kid. Uh, Michael Keane, at the time, unproven kid, but could have been a decent backup. You've already got a bunch of backups there. Adnan Yanezai, the same. You look through that team and I think the only players you'd really deem a starter quality moving forward without the Ferguson magic kind of holding it all together, De Gea, Evra, Vidic, Carrig, and Van Persie. And maybe Rooney, so six. Six. That's what they had. And a bunch of squad players and a bunch of lads that weren't good enough. So... To bring in a manager like Moyes wasn't really optimal. Like Moyes, if you'd been happy enough to finish eighth or ninth, Moyes would have been fine, and that's basically where he would have gotten them—is uh, eighth or ninth. But that is, this is Manchester United, that's not going to, that's not going to fly for them. Um, they finished seventh in the end. Obviously, he got sacked in the April. And Ryan Giggs saw at the end of the season uh, with a couple of wins and a defeat to Sunderland. Um, who would I have gone for? So, ideally, you want someone that can come in and build a culture, build a new squad. You want someone that you're going to invest in long term. Now, United had been obsessed with Pep Guardiola. They were never really going to get Pep. Pep wasn't walking into a complete rebuild. Uh, he went to Byron, who just won the Champions League. That's what Pep likes. Pep likes to walk into something that's basically ready, a couple of tweaks, then, you know, be proclaimed a genius. Um, other top managers that were rumoured to be available to him Mourinho left Real and joined um, Chelsea. But again, Mourinho's not going to go somewhere to do a rebuild at, at that point in his career. And they would get Mourinho later, and obviously it would be a. a Not a disaster. That would be unfair. He finished second. He won some cups. He was better than Oli has been. So credit where it's due. Um, Max Allegri would be the interesting one for me, in that he was. Everybody knew he was leaving Milan the following season. Everybody knew they ended up sacking him in like January or something, and it had been become very public. He came out in the press in like early December and said, "Yes, absolutely, this is my last." Christmas in Milan and was basically joyful in his announcement that this is the last time I have to put up with this uh, at Christmas time so Allegri would have been 46 at the time still a young manager but he had good good experience um, Spal Grisetto, Sassuolo, Cagliari and Milan he won a title at Milan so he's a proven winner um, he'd done really well at Sassuolo and, and at Milan. Not so well at the other stops, but they were all learning curves for him. I think that's who I would have gone for, is Max Allegri. Because Allegri will do all the things Moyes will do. Like, he will absolutely figure out ways to get players in the right positions. He'll figure out a system, and he's a better, much better manager than Moyes. But he's really good at figuring out a system in shape that works for what he has at his disposal. And then you begin to build. You begin to move forward with that plan of where are we going to go? What is the optimum formation, the optimum system? What players do you feel you need when you have Allegri? So realistically, I think he would have been the best option for them. Because you couldn't really just go down the route of bringing in a young, unproven manager. I don't think any of the top managers would have taken the job. Mourinho, Guardiola. I don't think Klopp would have left Dortmund at that point. Simeone wouldn't have left Atletico Madrid. Conte left Juve the year after, but I don't know if he would have left that summer. I don't think Bielsa would have had any interest in the job. And I don't think United... Would be the ideal fit for Bielsa. I think he'd get really, really annoyed by the circus that goes on around United. Because they're such a huge club. Leeds is a big club, but doesn't have that like, 24-7, 365 invasion into your life. So I would have gone Allegri. I think he would have been the best option out there. I think he was definitely available. I think you could have done a deal with Milan. To bring him in without without a question. Um, as for players. That's the more difficult part. So. I mean, you have to be real about this. You can't just go and pick. All the best players around. You look at Arsenal that summer. They bring in Mesut Ozil. So. I mean there were good players moving. That summer. In terms of who I would have looked to bring in. You definitely want to get a centre back. You definitely, I think you want to build a spine. So centre back, a midfielder, and a striker is probably your your approach here. Unless you want to just build from the back and sort out the defence. You've got um, Evra. Rio. You'd probably move into a, a bench role. Maybe you continue with Village for the year because he was still. Relatively decent, and you want to write back because you just don't want Raphael playing there. Um, it's hard to think, actually. Who was who was good at the time? Who was really good at the time that you'd be looking to bring in? Uh, let me see. Hang on. This is going to be very poor radio. <laughs> while I look up who was where at the time, because it is obviously quite a while ago. Um... Right, there's nobody at AC Milan that you would have wanted to bring in, in my opinion. There's nobody there that fills any of the voids, either to build a spine or to build a defence. Um... No, you just don't want any of these guys. What about the season before? Do you know what though? No, that was the no that wouldn't work. That wouldn't work. Um in terms of signings, I, I would need to do some proper looking into this. I'll come back to this. Let me come back to this later on, uh, with when I have a bit more time and have everything else done. Uh, Jane Easy for Sheasy asks, question for the show. With rumors that Weston McKenney is available, do you think he's a decent option for Liverpool this summer? Price shouldn't be astronomical and he can play a few different roles in the team. I do like Weston McKenney, I must say. Um, I think he profiles really well for a Jurgen Klopp box to box midfielder, powerful runner, good in the ball, strong in the challenge. And like you say, versatile. Can play right back or his preferred role in midfield. I think you could mould him as a number six. That shielding, ball-winning defender. But box-to-box is his primary role. And Liverpool could do with someone in that kind of area. Uh, I wouldn't be against it, yeah. If the price is, what, 18, 20 million, I don't think it's a bad price at all. Uh Juventus paid 18.5 million plus 4.5 million loan and 6.5 million in potential bonuses. So Juventus paid 30 million euro. If you can get him for 20 million pounds, yeah, I, I would take Weston McKinney. I I think you could do a lot worse than him I think he's I think he's got high game intelligence he's super aggressive which I really like and I like how physical he is I like how strong he is on the ball because that's one of the big things they lose at Wijnaldum that ability to just give him the ball and have him hold others off and let everything reset let players get into position I I do like him I would take Weston McKenney, that is absolutely for sure um, on to discord then dubfire 31 question for Thursday. Are you aware of any service for EPL games like the NFL where you get to see the entire pitch at time at times? I believe the NFL calls it all 22 or coaches film. I follow several NFL journalists who post clips. Why scout? Why scout is the one that does, um, it's worth checking in. It's expensive. It is expensive though. um, Y Scout does does offer alternate views, so yeah, that would probably be your best bet. Um, YNWA foodie question for the show: How would you rebuild Celtic FC? Who would you, what players would you keep and sell? What manager would you bring in, or would you keep the current one? And what old players, or player, or player would you bring back in to help with coaching or being ambassadors? So, look. Um, Pasta Koglu is doing a good job. Um, he is—he had a slow start, but he has turned things around. And I think there's real, real focus there on building his way and playing his style of football. In terms of the squad, it's weak. It is weak. There's not. There's not a lot of players in that squad that you would look at and say, yeah, you can transport them into a different team in the Premier League, for example, and they'll still be very good. But there are some excellent players there. Kyogo Furuhashi, the Japanese attacker, he is a tremendous player. Really like the look of him. Leo Abada, the young Israeli, I really like him. David Turnbull is excellent. Uh, I do like Ryan Christie. I like Callum McGregor. Christopher Julien's an excellent defender at the level. Odson and Edouard's a really good striker. Um, I, I'd look to build out that defense, though. Um, Rolston's playing well at the moment, but he had a couple of rough seasons. Stephen Welch, I, I quite like. I think he's shown quite a bit, uh, whether or not you know, he's got the ability to move on to a level above that. I don't know. But if Ralston is the right back, Welsh and Julian are the centre-backs, I suppose Balangali at left back is probably the best option. He's more of a wing-back or a winger or midfield player than he is a a defender. But he is really fun to watch, really good going forward. So... The defence maybe's fine. I'm look, I'm not a big Joe Hart fan, but Barkas didn't work at all uh when they brought him in and he's now lost his place too hard, so <sighs> you'd kinda have to make do. Celtic don't have a lot of money, is is the, the truth of it. They should have. But the owners just don't have the don't have the desire to, to foot fo- the bill for for a rebuild. Um, I don't think they really to, like to compete in Scotland. I don't think they really need too much. I really don't. I I quite like the look of Starfelt. Uh, obviously, actually the new centre back. So maybe he's a starter. You have got Greg Taylor there can play left back. Like there's good options there. They're not Premier League caliber, but they're solid options. They've got good players. Near Biton, I'm not a big fan of. I'd probably look to bring in another attacker. I, I do think Edouard is going to go. Um, so I'd probably look to bring in another attacker. If you could sell Edouard for 15, 18 million with a year left in his contract. I'd, do you know, I'd actually look at Takumi Minamino and pair him up with Furuhashi. I, I think they'd be brilliant together in the in the Scottish League. That's what I would do. Bring in Minamino to play alongside Furuhashi and Abada in a front three. I think that would work quite well. Lots of movement, lots of intelligence, and good finishing. Midfield, Turnbull, McGregor. I think you want a holding midfielder. Someone that can come in and break play up. Someone that can offer just steal in in the heart of that team. Nathaniel Chalaba is rumoured to be available from Watford um, I, I would consider a go at him. Um, if, if Leicester are serious about loaning out um, Hamza Chowdhury, he could be an option. But Chalaba, I think, would be a good fit there. Julian and Starville at centre-back. Maybe look, for, maybe look for a right-back as well. Either just... As a starter or someone to offer a bit of competition. Um, who it would be, I don't know. I I, I always say him. but I, I, Jed Spence, I really like Jed Spence. Ola Aena, if you could get him on loan, if he'd be interested. I don't know if the wages would match up. But you could bring in him. Um, Jan Valery of Southampton could be worth a punt. Because he is the third choice right back at Saints. And he doesn't seem to get on all that well with Ralph, so maybe bring in Jan Valery as a as a squad option at right back. I, I want to upgrade the goalkeeper. I I really would. I just uh, Joe Hart. I, he played really well the other night. Made a couple of great saves, but he's just not for me. Not at this point in his career. Um, Barcas was not good at all. Connor Hazard's Connor Hazard's a kid, but he's he's very talented. Um, he's 23 I, you want a goalkeeper a goalkeeper right back a holding midfielder and a forward Minamino Chalaba Valery and goalkeeper Carl Darlow from Newcastle they're the four I bring in and I think that gives me a really strong team and squad to go and challenge Rangers I don't think it'll accomplish much outside of uh, the Scottish league, but I do think in the Scottish league, it, it's more than capable of winning, winning the title. Um, you fund it maybe with a couple of sales, like, like Edward, um, Tom Rogic maybe goes out. Maybe you sell Ryan Christie, but I I'd like to keep him. I think he's a good player. It would take some investment. It would take some investment from the owners. Maybe you can find money for a jetty. They paid quite a bit to get him. Um, and it, Five million, and it, it just hasn't worked at all. Uh, six goals last season. It's just not It's not where you want him to be. Very talented young player. He's not young anymore, is he? He's 24, 25. 24, he'll be 25 in February. Maybe you can find money for him from, from a European club. Um, but... Yeah, I, you know, you you want to move on some of these players. Uh, bitten, maybe move on Lee Griffiths, he earns good money, uh Ajeti. I mean, could Ismail Asoro be the answer at holding midfield? Maybe, maybe not. James McCarthy, I mean they they brought him in, he's he's a solid player, but he's not gonna move the needle for you. There's talent in the squad, it's just there's not enough of it and it's not in the right areas. Um, but yeah, those, those are the moves I'd make. I, and I, I keep the manager. I'd I keep Pasta Coglu, uh, for now anyway. See how he does. Let him develop things. He's done well where he's been. So, look, I had doubts over him when he arrived, but he's turning things around and the football is fun to watch. That's at least, that's at least an important plus. Um, Ragav, do you think, Rajav? I, am sorry, bud. Do you think that flair and creativity in football is being increasingly compromised? As an attribute in favour of functionality and physical attributes, we see less of players like Kaka, Ronaldinho, Raquelme nowadays, and those that have it, Coutinho, Ozil, Awar, and Kovacic aren't the most sought-after players in the market. They're a way for managers to reinvigorate that. I think you're 100% right. I think flair and creativity and individuality have been strongly shoved out of the game. You know, Even players like James Rodriguez. Um, in favor of functionality and physicality, I think Jurgen Klopp is, you know, a prime example of a manager that favors functionality and physicality, be it size or speed, uh, over individual creativity, and that's fine, absolutely fine. But there still has to be place in the game for those players. Now there are some managers who do massively enable creativity. Sari is one. Gasparini's and another. It's crazy that the main two are Italians. I think Bielsa, uh, put it kind of strikes a good balance between the two. Pep, obviously, big on creativity, but within a system, within the confines of a system. Um, Yeah, I think it's a shame. Is there a way for managers to reinvigorate that? I don't know. With the way football has gone, like, we had a whole era of 4-2-3-1. We've had a whole era of 4-3-3. I think if if we get we you know we've had 343 three, I think if we can get back to more of a 3412 with a 10 in between the lines even a 3142 where you play a deep playmaker a Pirlo type behind the line of four workers there is ways I mean it Conte again I mean he he was the one that masterminded Pirlo behind that line of four now obviously Carlo had put him in in the deepest role initially but Kaka was the main creative force in that team. Pirlo was mainly merely kept things rolling a lot of the times. Whereas at, at Juve, Pirlo kinda of took off as the lead creative force in a in a 3 1 4 2. So, you know, again, Conte an Italian, and one known for his defensive uh, wants rather than attacking wants. So is there a way I think it'll depend on shape and system. You've got to get to different shapes and system. Uh, Molly is currently shouting God knows at what We'll ignore and Move on Right Next question then Is from Adam Hanlon Uh, He's got three questions What will be your Liverpool eleven To face Burnley On Saturday Would you stick with Jota or bring in Bobby Would you take out Virgil Until Chelsea And give Canati And Gomez a game No I think you give Virgil the game Because he needs games Simple as that I think Virgil has to stay I think the back four Stays the same I think there'll be a change in midfield. I'd bring in Thiago and Fabinho for Ox and Milner. And I I would start Bobby up front over uh, Diogo Jota. Do you think Liverpool may be finished recruiting this summer? And if so, do you think this squad will win the league or Champions League? Uh, No, I don't think they're finished recruiting. Uh, If they were finished recruiting, I think they would potentially have a good chance in the Champions League. But I wouldn't back them to win the league. And predict 10 Premier League transfers you think will happen before the deadline. Um, I'll, I won't predict players, but I'll predict areas. I think Liverpool will sign a midfielder. I think Manchester City will sign a striker. I think Spurs will sign a striker. And I think Spurs will sign a centre-back. I think Manchester United will sign a right-back. I think United will sign Kieran Trippier. So I think they'll sign... Um, But I think they'll try and sign a right-back. I think Chelsea will sign a centre-back and a holding midfielder. I think Wolves will sign a centre-back. I think West Ham will sign a centre-back. And I think Newcastle will sign a holding midfield player that they don't need. So there's ten. Uh, so I, 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 I don't want to go into specifics about players because you hear bits and bobs like the Chowdhury one that's out there. Everybody's talking about that that it could happen. Um, so it's not anything breaking news, but I, I think that one could happen because I think Newcastle would be silly enough to add another holding midfield player when they already have four of them. Now they might want to get rid of the Longstaff brothers, but you know this is the manager who was going to sell Jack Grealish for a packet of crisps and a couple of pints. Uh, so it's, you know, the Longstaff brothers are the best young players to come through in Newcastle in a while, and he doesn't seem to have any time for either of them. I think someone else is going to get hold of them and have two very good players. Um, Next question then. Chris Colby, what teams would you want to see promoted into each of the top two English leagues this season? So from League One into the Championship, Portsmouth for definite. I like Portsmouth. I really like Danny Cowley, and I really want to see them get promoted. Sunderland, because their fans have been through horrendous times. And I'm stuck between two. Ipswich or AFC Wimbledon. But I'll go AFC Wimbledon because I like the story. So AFC Wimbledon would be the third one to go up into the championship. Then from championship to Premier League, uh, Middlesbrough for definite. Always had a soft spot for them because of the Janinho team. And, and they were just a lot of fun. And obviously, you know, Mr. Drinkle is from the area. So it'd be nice for his local area to have a bit of cheer. Uh, Nottingham Forest, they're, they're just a two-time European Cup winner. Uh, Nottingham Forest, for sure. And then Coventry. And again, it's just one of those nostalgic things that when I was growing up, Coventry were always in the top flight. Coventry were a proper club in the top flight of the the English English football pyramid. So Coventry, and again, their fans have just been through the ringer. Lots of bad ownership stuff. Lots of nonsense. Lots of financial hardship. So Coventry would be the third. Borough, Forest and Coventry. Up from the championship into the Premier League is what I would like to see. Um, Dell, with Salah fast approaching the 100 goal mark in the Premier League, would you classify him as the best inside forward the league has ever seen? I would say yes, but I would couch it with the fact that inside forward is only really a development of the last five, six years. Before that, we had a lot of 4 4 2 we had a lot of 4-2-3-1. Tevez and Cristiano played inside forward for United, but only for a short period of time. Before that, they played 4-4-2, and and Ronaldo played wide. Tevez obviously there for a short period of time as well. Um, Also, Didier Drogba is seen as a Premier League GOAT with his impressive 104, 104 goals and 55 assists in... 258, sorry, 254 games. With Salah on 98 goals and 36 assists in 159 games, he is fast approaching Drogba's tally in a shorter time. Also, Salah is only 77 goals and 38 assists behind Henri, 86 goals and 11 assists behind Aguero. Would you consider Salah as the best foreign import to the Premier League? Um, he is the best African player the Premier League has ever seen. That's no longer in doubt. He will pass Drogba in goals this season and probably in assists over the next two to three. Um Probably in the next two. He will smash his goal record without question. Um If he sticks around another four years, which is looking likely if he signs a new deal, he should beat Henri in goals and assists. Aguero will be tough to get to in goals. He'll he'll blow past them in assists. I still think Luis Suarez is the best individual player the Premier League has seen for a short period of time. Like, we saw Cristiano come, and Cristiano would reach a higher level than Suarez, but I don't think Cristiano had a season in England as good as Suarez's 13-14. I would say Henri had the second-best season in English football the season he went twenty and twenty and then I would put Salah in third for his first season Liverpool in terms of best individual seasons. Now Henri has a better overall body of work than Suarez, I would say Cristiano does as well. I would say Salah has a better Premier League body of work than Cristiano but not quite on the level of Henri yet. So I would say Henri is still the number one import um into the Premier League from abroad. Um, fact 1977 what is the over under for number of matches Arteta gets before he is sacked oh Um, well they're really backing him this summer so there can be no complaints in that regard but they're backing him in in ways where I mean let's be honest here if they sign Odegaard and Ramsdale that have bought five players They'll spend 120-ish million, and only White and Odegaard will be starters because Ramsdale's not a starter, La Conga won't be a starter, and Nuno's the backup to Tierney. So, you know, I know that's 85 or 80 million or so they'll spend on the two starters, but still a lot of money to spend on players that aren't starting. Um, a 15, 15 Premier League games might be fair, a decent shake of things. I mean, you know, you've got to factor in. Thomas Partey's injured again, and he was the kind of big signing last summer. I think 15 is is a fair number. If he gets to 15 and things haven't improved drastically, I think you have to look at at saying goodbye. Um, Get him out before Christmas. Get a new manager in with a little bit of time to prepare for the January transfer window and figure out what he wants to do. He wants to get rid of who he wants to bring in. Um, But I I honestly feel the bigger problem at Arsenal is Edu, not Arteta. Arsenal's too big a job for Arteta. But I do think we might look in 10 years and say Arteta is actually a decent manager. Edu is just flat out dreadful at what he does. Absolutely abysmal at what he does. So I think he's the bigger problem there. Uh, Isaac Gilding, what do you think is the realistic ceiling for the chosen two, Haaland and Mbappe? can either of them actually be as good as Messi? could either be as good as Cristiano better than, uh, or nine. How do you think we will eventually com- they will eventually compare to the previous best players in the world from different areas. So let me just say first things first or nine better than Cristiano a level above as a player, as a goal scorer before he got hurt, just better at everything. Um, they can both become as good as Cristiano, is my view on it. Because while he's one of the two or three or four greatest goal scorers ever, I don't think he's in that mix as an overall player. Look, he's had an incredible career, he's won everything, but he is a goal scorer and little else. And that has been the case with him for quite a while now. He scores tons of goals, he doesn't make his teammates better. In fact, Attackers who play with him get worse while playing with him. Numbers back that up. I think both Haaland and Mbappe can reach his level because I think they can both be incredible goal scorers. Mbappe, I think, is a more all-round talented footballer than Haaland, but Haaland has that incredible physicality that is just nigh on impossible to, to deal with and stop. I think... I don't think either of them will get to Messi's level. Uh, that's I just don't think either of them has the technical ability of a Messi. I think they've both got incredible physical gifts. And this is my argument against Cristiano as well. Cristiano might be the greatest athlete to ever play the game. But in terms of technical footballing ability, his passing's never been particularly good. His long-range shooting's not particularly good. He's a fancy dribbler. But he uses pace more than technique to get by players. All the step-overs are just for for show. It's always been knock it past and run with him. Reliant on pace. Messi had better balance, better coordination, better touch, better control. Much better passer. Far better vision. Better weight of passing. Better range of passing. More dexterity in his shooting. Messi, to me, much more talented footballer. Cristiano, freak athlete. Obviously, high, high level of footballing ability, but not godlike levels like Messi, Maradona, Zidane, Ronaldinho, players like this. Uh, as for how they compare from other years, so I was thinking about this earlier. So let's work back, best player in the world at the time. So it was it's Messi, obviously, and has been for... Over a decade now. Before Messi. It was. It was Kaka. When Kaka was at Milan. And Cristiano was at United. Kaka was the best player in the world. So before that was Kaka. Before Kaka it was Ronaldinho. Before Ronaldinho it was Zidane. Before Zidane it was Ornine. Before him it was Baggio. Before him, it was Laudrup. Before him, it was Maradona. Before him, it was Platini. I'd have a gap of a couple of years there where I'm not sure. Then you go back to Cruyff in the 70s. I'm not sure who bridges the gap from Cruyff to Platini. Uh, If anyone has suggestions, I'd be very interested to hear who people would view as the best player in the world from, say, 78 to 83. Um, Was there a standout? Was there multiple players who could be considered for that role? Like If we look at Ballon d'Or winners... Carl Hines, uh, you've got Kevin Keegan won back-to-back. Um, you've got Rummenigge won back-to-back. And then Platini took over in 83. It was him, 83, 84, 85. And then it was absolutely Maradona as the best player in the world. True to probably 1990. Then a couple of years of Laudrup. A couple of years of Baggio. Then nine, Way ahead of year. But then or then Zidane. Yeah, that I think that's fair. Maybe it was Keegan for a couple of years, and and um, and Rumeniger for a couple of years. Maybe that's how it was. Now I wouldn't put them on the same level as the other players I've mentioned. You know, Beckenbauer would have been the guy before Cruyff, even though their their careers were very similarly. Um, you know, in terms of t- time, their peaks were around the same time. I do think it was Beckenberg, then Cruyff. Um, before that, obviously, best Pele. But yeah, I, I think I, looking at the last 30 years, say, won't reach the levels of. I don't think they'll reach the levels of Zidane, Messi. Or nine. They could reach the levels of Laudrup. Kaka. They won't ever have the natural ability of, of Ronaldinho or Laudrup. But neither of them were the most diligent in terms of you know how they applied themselves. Ronaldinho because he wants to go and party. Laudrup because the game was just too easy for him. Um but yeah, I I think I think they can be all-timers. More in the all-time goal scoring ranks than the all-time player ranks, but they'll be great players. There's 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 no doubt they're they're gonna be phenomenal for a long, long time. Uh we will wrap up with the gossip and get done. Uh Manchester City are prepared to go to 150 million in the bid to sign Harry Kane, with sources now saying that could be enough to get. Daniel Levy to open talks that's from the independent I think Miguel Miguel Delaney um if Manchester City fail to secure Kane this window the Premier League champions are said to be considering Dusan Vlahovic as an alternative City have reportedly joined the race to sign the Fiorentina striker it does appear like he's quite close to going to Atletico Madrid so they want to get the get moving quickly Wolves are expecting an approach for Adama Traore if Kane joins City Wolves should not expect anything of the sort uh, Liverpool have hit a setback in the pursuit of Ronaldo Sanchez. With 24-year-old set to miss six weeks, there was there is no pursuit of Ronaldo Sanchez uh, at all. Arsenal could be set for a 34 million pound swoop from Marco Asensio. Uh, this side, I don't know how to say it. F I C H A J E S. It the it, it is basically for those that remember like tribal football back in the day. It is that a mess, nonsense. Um, Arsenal are signing a player for that fee from Real Madrid, but it is Odegaard. It is not Asensio. Uh, Tottenham have stepped up their pursuit for Nikola Milinkovic after West Ham decided not to pursue the 23-year-old. Someone's going to get a really good buy. A really, really good buy. Watford are close to completing a deal for Ozan Tufan from Fenerbahce. He's a good player. He would be a really good addition. I said yesterday they need a midfielder. He'd be a good addition. Newcastle have placed a £10 million price tag on Sean Longstaff. The 23 year old's contract at St. James's expires next summer, and Everton Boss is said to be interested in taking him to Gosenback. This is what I was just a saying a few minutes ago. He is a he's a very good young player. He'd be a really good fit for Rafa. Rafa had him when he was at Newcastle. Rafa was the one that brought him into the team. If Newcastle sell him for £10 million, I mean someone should be someone should be locked up. They turned down 35 million from United two seasons ago. Um, Arsenal and Manchester United have been told to forget about signing Kieran Trippier. Again, Egyptian forward Mo Salah could be set for a drawn-out saga, contract saga with Liverpool. Um, I doubt it. Everton could sign Schalke forward Matthew Hoppe Happe for less than seven million for less than seven million valuation placed on the American. Because of the German side's financial situation, Toffee's are one of the clubs interested in the 20 run. So I would assume Everton would sell Moise Keane and have him as the backup to Calvert Lewin. I assume that would be the problem or the, the plan. And um, you'd guess that they'd make a good amount of money off Keane. He did really well last year on loan at PSG. Liverpool are front runners in the race for Erling Haaland. No, they're not. Uh, Crystal Palace would a turn turned down for Will Hughes, no, don't think so um, Wolves, sorry Wales forward Gareth Bale is back in favour at Real Madrid having been reunited with Carlo Ancelotti we, we'll wait and see how that lasts I, I doubt it um, Leeds have made a number of attempts to sign Celtic Scottish left back Matthew Anderson this summer but saw bids for the teenager rejected the club are still working to bring Anderson's Celtic teammate, Norwegian defender, Leo it to Elmdor. Leave them alone. They're all we have for the future at Celtic. So leave them alone. Juventus have beaten Liverpool and Tottenham to the signing of Kjell George. Neither Liverpool or Tottenham were in for him. He's always been going to Juve the last year. Neither club were ever seriously in for him. All, all reports were always, it's Juventus, Juventus, Juventus. Manchester United are still looking into the possibility of signing another midfielder. Any deal would need to be financed by player departures following the arrival of Rafa Varane and Jadon Sancho. The problem for United is they don't really have any sellable pieces except Pogba. And if you sell Pogba, you then have to replace Pogba so you don't have money to sign the other midfielder you need. Um, Because regardless of what they might hope, Jesse Lengar is not bringing in 25 million. Former Newcastle and Chelsea striker Demba Ba has left Swiss side Lugano, having played just 48 minutes for the club. Fair to say it went well. Barcelona are hoping to, this is great, are hoping to raise a further €200 million to reduce their debt through the sales of Samuel Umtiti, Philippe Coutinho, and Miralem Pjanic. There must be many other players on this list. They can't be hoping to raise his money. Part of this has to be surely saving money on contracts. But it's not going to happen. Realistically, on TD's 27, he's really good, but he's always injured. So you're maybe going to get 10, 12 million from him. 10, 15 million max. No one's going to pay him the 400 grand a week he's on at Barca. So you're going to be paying him probably 200 to 250,000 a week for the next two to three years that he has on his contract. It's not going to happen. The same thing with Coutinho. The same thing with Pjanic. You've given them monstrosities of contracts. Coutinho and MTD have had loads of injuries. Pjanic is 31. You're not getting any money for them. You're going to cost yourselves a fortune. Um, Fabrizio Romano, the spoofer as as I like to call him, he's reporting that uh, Andres, Andreas Pereira is poised to join Flamengo Unknown. So I believe this was reported yesterday by a real outlet and he is just jumping on the bandwagon, as he likes to do. Uh, Sunderland are keen to sign versatile Wales and the 21 defender Niall Huggins from Leeds United. Sunderland could do with a few signings for sure. Uh, The squad's looking a little bit thin. Uh, English midfielder Joe Willock is hoping to break Alan Shearer's consecutive goals record and make history for Newcastle on his second debut against Chris, against Aston Villa this weekend. Best of luck to him. I, I really hope he does. Um, big pressure on him now, though, with that transfer fee. Big, big pressure. And that's it, then. That is the show for today. Um, you won't know, but it was a little bit stop-start because of noise going on here. Uh, but thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you to Mr. Drinkle. Thank you to Fox Hunt. And I will see you all tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> Podcast Network.